Hey guys, uh, Lena here in Chicago wanting to check in with you on another new day and a new podcast. We are going to be uh, studying Mark chapter 6 today in episode n- number 5 of the series. And I am anxious to get into God's Word before I do. just want you um, just to know that uh, we're glad you tuned in. That's it. I uh, try to get into God's Word every week and give us something to chew on. Or every two weeks, I should say. There's a work uh, book or worksheet that you can uh, use for the study. Uh, it's on my website at livingwithpower.org under Bible study. Uh, it's the top one there. If you click on it, there's a PDF that you can download that will give you uh, some questions to ponder on the text that we're going over, and that will also give you some fillbacks outlines. And so, I hope you're making use of it. Uh, we are just making our way through the Gospel of Mark, talking about Jesus. Really, we just want to focus on Jesus. He makes everything better, and I want us to um, just get into um, just uh, chapter five here, which and oh, chapter six. And I've called it "Called to Make the World Better." I want to talk about calling this week. Last week we talked about, uh, let me see here, we talked about better by the power of his touch. We'll be kind of leading up to, to, to allowing Jesus to facelift us where we need facelifting and to work on us in those areas that, that uh, we are just tired of being um, the way we are in. You know, sometimes we just get sick of failure and sick of, you know, constantly being defeated or feeling like we're shackled. But now I want us to move past that. You know, we don't want us to live in a place of defeat. I want, to, I want us to live in a place of victory. And one of the greatest uh, arenas in a Christian walk where you can feel victorious is in this area of calling. Every one of us has been called. I, I love the verse is in, um, let me see here, I think it's Ephesians, let me double check here, uh, chapter 2, yeah, here we go, it says in verse 8 through 10, for by grace you've been saved through faith, this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, and then it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, so there, I think in um, in Second Timothy, this is how Paul says it: Don't be ashamed of the testimony by our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ before the ages began. And so, this concept of I think every one of the epistle letters talks about that, but but we see um, in chapter six we're going to get some encouragement in our calling. And so, I want you to think about what is it that you think God has called you to. And I, I know, first and foremost, we are called to be disciples, followers of Jesus. I mean, Jesus looked at Peter and his brother, and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So that is the primary calling of our life, is to follow Jesus. But but I think once we are in relationship with Christ and following him, he's given um, callings, a secondary calling, I guess, for some of you right now, might be calling to be a mother, or a calling to be in a work position, maybe a teacher, or a doctor, or whatever it is that you do. Uh, maybe you're called to be part of a worship team, or maybe you're called to be a pastor of a church right now, or um, I have a calling in ministry to teach God's word, and and uh, and so that calling has kind of taken on a life of its own over the past 15 years, and, and I want to just encourage you with some thoughts about your calling, and um, and I'm going to take these principles out of Mark chapter 6. And as I did last week, I'm trying to read some chunks of the passage. I like doing that. I think it gives us a flavor of the passage. Um, you know, we're kind of following Jesus through his ministry in Galilee right now. And so now he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. And uh, he had just been in the Gennesaret. And, uh, um, and then he had gone back to Galilee. And, and now here we are. It says he went away from there. This is where he had raised Jairus' daughter. And then he said he went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. If you have a Bible with a map at the end, you can track kind of that road. 
um, you can find one that says Palestine in the time of Jesus, or anyway, you can pause. Yeah, I guess that would be the map, and you can see the Sea of Galilee up there in the north, and there's Capernaum, Gennesaret, and then Nazareth, which is a bit more inland. Um, off of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so that's cool to kind of track that. So he, he he goes back home, and on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Wow, Mary had all these boys. Wow. And, and some sisters. Are not his sisters here with us? Man, Mary had a lot of kids. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his, own, in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Remember, Jesus had been spending his time healing thousands that thronged to him. And here he's in his hometown and nothing. So here, here's some thoughts about calling uh, before I even read any more. Number one, your calling always starts right here in your hometown. Your calling, friend, starts right here, right now. Wherever you're living, if you're in Chicago, it starts now in Chicago. If you're living in Amsterdam, your calling is right where you are. I was always taught, you know, it's funny, we always think, man, God's going to call me to do something and I'm going to move away from my present environment. I'm going to be a missionary or a Bible teacher or whatever it is that you think he's called you to do. Listen, you don't have to wait until he calls you to do something crazy in order to start living like you have a calling. You start right here and right now. I was always taught that if you cannot be a missionary in your own hometown, you cannot be a missionary anywhere else. And and so so just like Jesus, I mean, he starts his, you know so much of his ministry is right in his own hometown, and and uh, and you see that he was the one who went there. They didn't invite him to go there. He he just went back and had a burden to to share the gospel and share himself with his people. And of course, um, we can expect the same thing that Jesus received even in our hometown. So we can expect rejection. We can expect resistance. We can expect ridicule. See, don't be shocked when these things happen. Your own Savior, the one that we follow and have given our lives for, is in his hometown in the section of Scripture. And, and they're walking around going, is not this the carpenter? In other words, they have like zero confidence in anything he's saying. Whereas everywhere else he went, they were like, wow, everything he says, he says with authority. And, and in his own hometown, they're laughing at him. And uh, for you, it might not be your hometown. It might be your family. You might be speaking the truth of God's love to people in your own household. And you're being ridiculed. And you're being mocked. And, and take no offense, my friend. Expect ridicule. Expect resistance. Expect ridicule. And... Uh, and, and eventually move on. But but be where you are right now, as long as God wants you there. And, and of course, um, your calling always starts right here in your hometown. But then this thought, your calling is the same whether people respond with belief or not. It's the same. Your calling is the same whether people respond with belief or not. Your calling isn't driven by people's response. See, it's easy to get caught up in a cycle where we think, oh, everybody likes me. They're accepting the Lord. They're being influenced for God. Therefore, I must have a calling. That's silly. It doesn't work this way. Even Jesus, he's in his own town. He couldn't even do mighty work there because people didn't believe and he marveled at their unbelief. But what he did not do is question his calling. 
And I'll tell you, in my own life and ministry, I have questioned my calling when I've hit seasons where nobody believes or where nobody's turning or where I've not seen the fruit that I thought I should be seeing. And how silly of us when we become so so driven by other people rather than letting our calling settle and who God is and what He wants in our life. And and, and I just I'm so encouraged by the section there that kind of reminds us of that. That people might accept, people might refuse, but but that's not what drives your calling. Your calling is driven by the Spirit of God in you. And so search the scriptures. Ask God to show you your calling. If you don't know your calling, ask Him. God, what do you want me to do the rest of my life? And and then here's a tip. Do what you love. And so for me, it was always related to writing. I remember loving to write. Honestly, my 20s people would say, if you had one year to live, what would you spend doing? And, 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 and I'm asking you the question. Say today, starting now, whatever date you're watching this, say you have one more year to live, how would you spend it? Now, some of you are like, I'd spend it on a beach in Tahiti. And so to you, you're like, my calling is to go live in Tahiti. I'm talking really. I mean, I know. I get it. We all want a vacation. I want a vacation. And uh, I'm asking you seriously, if you had a year to live, how would you spend it? And I know some of you, you're like, man, there's just this project that I've been dying to finish. Or maybe you'd say, I'd quit my job and, and, and go be a, you know, go, go to Africa and spend some months telling people there about Jesus. Or, or I would, you know, I don't know. You know, think about it. You, maybe you're an artist. Maybe you would just finally take that risk and give everything to your art, you know. And, and perhaps God would be calling you in that area. I mean, for me, it was always related to, to, to communicating God's word through, through the word, you know, through write, writings and speakings and and, and just words. I just wanted to communicate. And so, I don't know, maybe I'm not doing a good job communicating now, so I apologize, but let's keep going. So, your calling always starts right here, right now. Your calling is the same whether people respond with belief or not. And then, I want to move now, so Jesus kind of moves on. He went about among the villages teaching. Verse 7 of Mark 6, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. That sounds scary to me, doesn't it? But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who are sick and healed them. So here's a thought about calling. Ready for it? Number three. Your calling is better executed when you have strong accountability and fellowship. Out of all the sections, I want to pick on this. He sent them out two by two. And, and, and I think there's a pattern in Scripture where people are not living in isolation ever. They're always in community. And, and, and I'm telling you, we are in a, in a culture right now that values independent, autonomous isolationism. And it is destroying us. And we have this connective, you know, this imaginary connectivity through the Facebook or the Twitter, and it's not real. It's just us, like, watching TV and kind of interacting with us, what we're doing. We're not really in relationship, and, and it is crushing our souls. I'm telling you, if you are not in community with other people, if you are not in accountability with others, your calling will be hindered by that. I'm begging you to take, put that step of risk and get involved in a local church. Find a community group. Email me if you need help finding a church. Look, I'll do my best to help direct you, but there's so many good places where you can go. Look, the church is not perfect, but it's God's plan for us to grow in community. And, and I know many of you might be skeptically going, well, the church at large, I mean, we are the church. Yeah, I get that. But God also instituted the local church for us to have this two-by-two two calling, living out of our life. And if you're single, look, I'm single. That doesn't mean this. these were not married couples he sent out. This was individuals who who were in li- doing life together and and, and, and 
I'm telling you, it, it, you can't stop. You know, it's so easy to be like, well, that was then, and the culture was different. No, it's nothing is different. We're the same human beings with the same needs, and how much stronger our calling would be if we would just kind of follow the pattern that Jesus set up. And so, your calling is better ex- executed when you have strong accountability and fellowship. Now, in Mark chapter six, verse fourteen through twenty-nine, we get this update on John the Baptist, and uh, it's kind of a sad passage. You guys can read it on your own. I'm not going to comment too much about it, too much about it, except um, John the Baptist gets his head chopped off in it, and it's. It's, it's, it's an, you know, I've written about this in my book, Stripped, and, you know, we always think that if Jesus is not on my side, I'm unstoppable, and, you know, God's going to fulfill all my needs, and, and he has promised to meet all of our needs, but, but sometimes we define those needs as comfort and security, and no one can uh, do a better job of destroying that foundation than John the Baptist, who Jesus called the greatest in the kingdom of God, and yet, when it was time for him to die, even though Jesus was going around healing everyone and performing miracles, Jesus let it happen. And uh, you might feel like God isn't doing the things that you want him to do in your life. I would encourage you to study the example of John the Baptist, a man who even himself at the end doubted, you know, he sent a message, Jesus, are you really the one? Because maybe deep in his soul he thought, but if he was the one, he would deliver me from this mess. But but Christ allowed this suffering to happen in John the Baptist's life and still called him the greatest among the children of uh, of man. And and the greatest in the kingdom of God. And I can't wait for heaven to hear the story of, you know, meet John the Baptist, this man who was considered the greatest. And certainly his death, uh, we would not have considered great. We would have considered it a tragedy. And, and in fact, it was a tragedy. And Jesus went up and wept after that. I mean, he was heartbroken. He took time alone and went out to pray. But anyway, I want to move on from that, but just kind of a comment on that, on that little insert there. And then it says the apostles returned. So the apostles were out ministering. And it says in verse 30 that they returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. Aren't you? Some of you are there now. You're like, man, you don't even know my life. I'm, I'm so busy running around. My head cut off. I need a break. I could use a vacation. I get it. I get it. And it is ordained by God for us to have rest. So it's a good thing. But sometimes it doesn't work like we plan it. We plan a retreat and then everything falls apart. And this is what's happening here. These disciples are looking but you know, forward to being back together, all the pals together, having a meal, chitting, you know, chat, chatting it up and, and chit-chatting, whatever it is. And, 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 and what happens? These people butt in and there's these people coming to Jesus and says they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. So remember, they're going to get a break. And instead... He sees this great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The hour is late. Send him away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. They're, they're just worn out. They're done. It's interesting, the contrast. He's Jesus. He's teaching them. He's loving them. And they're like, Man, just send him away. We need a break. Just take care of him tomorrow. He says to them, You give them something to eat. And how often we have an opportunity to, to to show our faith and to see God move in these moments, but we miss it completely. And and so just like I would have done, a, I think it's some frustration. They said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Like They're like, Jesus, you're nuts. We're not going to be able to do this. And yet it's so funny because they've spent the months now with Jesus, literally like stopping the winds and the waves and healing the demon-possessed and the sick, and it's crazy how they miss this, but, but over and over again in our life, I see that where I, God delivers me, you know, just, just 
does above and beyond what I can imagine. And I've just walked out of a victory. And then I have another challenge ahead. And I forget all these things that he's done. And, uh, and so he says to them, of course, there's a teaching point here. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they find a little boy with five bread and two fish. And he sits the people down in groups. And he feeds them all. It's awesome. It's awesome. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And he took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Man, so much that can be said about how much can be done with the broken pieces of our life. And uh, it is a story. I mean, you guys got to read it. And I, I love the feeding of the 5,000. It revs me up. It just... It just makes me so encouraged in my heart about all that Jesus can do. And it's such a stretching point to me to, to give more generously. And so, but, but we're talking about calling. And I, I want to make this point about calling, okay? Um, uh, wait. Oh, you know what? Point number four, I missed it. And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm going to skip over it. So we're going to have five points. Well, you know what? you got to fill in the blank. So, so oh, I'm, I'm in a zone. and I'm sorry, but I'm going to back up a bit. Uh, the, let me repeat the points, if you don't mind, just because my OCD is kicking in. Number one, your calling always starts right here and right now in your hometown. Your calling, number two, is the same whether people respond with belief or not. Number three, your calling is better executed when you have strong accountability and fellowship. And then number four, which covers verses 14 through 29, that's the John the Baptist section, your calling will never be fully understood by everyone else around you. And the point there was was how John the Baptist had a calling and Herod did not understand it. And Herod's woman that he was living with, who was his sister, didn't understand it. And the daughter didn't understand it. No one understood it. And, and so don't be surprised when people around you don't understand your calling. But then point number three, five, coming back to the five loaves and two fishes. We're all, all on the same page now. I can breathe. Lena's back in her zone. I'm sorry about that little, you know, kind of interruption. But number five is this. Your calling will greatly be magnified by life's interruptions. That's the point that I want to make here and remind you of this. I read this feeding of the 5,000 and you felt how moved I am over the story. And I, 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 there's so many ways you could teach the story and I've taught it at least 10, 15 times in my life before. But 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 in, in, in this setting, I want to just make this point that your calling is magnified by the interruptions of your life. See, we look at the interruptions much like the disciples did, with dismay, with annoyance, with frustration, often with harsh words. I mean, just this afternoon, my nephews were over, and I was planning on recording two podcasts, and you can hear from my voice. I've had, actually, I'm doing a conference this week where I'm speaking six times all week, and, and um, I just wanted to get done with this earlier, and I've decided to do two podcasts to stay ahead of the curve. I'm just being honest with you now, and and um, and my sister, they had an errand to run, and, and they were like, you wanted the kids? And she goes, we don't have to leave them. And I was like, no, I don't see them enough anymore. Bring them. And, and they're great. You know, the 11 and 13-year-olds are great because they cause just veg in front of the TV for a while. I'm a horrible babysitter, but I love it because then I can watch with them if I want to or I can do work if I want to. But now there's a 2-year-old in the mix, and I'm, like, pulling my hair out. I had to, like, cut cucumbers up and avocado, which he didn't want to eat, and rice, which he had to eat with his fingers. And, and, and then he, oh, my goodness. I was just like, my head, my head, my head. And, and it was an interruption that was part of my calling for today. When my sister came to pick up the kids, she was so grateful. It's so funny because you can be so caught up with, well, I'm a Bible teacher and I'm a writer. And I, my calling in the moment today was to help the family in a point of need. And, uh, and I wonder how many of us have missed our calling because we've been annoyed by the interruptions in our life. 
So plan for rest and breaks like the disciples did with Jesus, but welcome divine interruptions. Who knows if the interruption in your life today could lead to a miracle of feeding of 5,000? Who knows what Christ could be trying to teach you in interruptions of your life? Man, you, I can preach this point for a while if I let myself, but, 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 but in these moments where you, you sense the need, I mean, imagine, now there's not just an interruption, but there's an interruption where you have a desperate need that you cannot meet. And for us, for me, for someone like me, that is a crisis of mammoth proportions because I don't mind that I'm interrupted if I can fix it quickly. But now we have an interruption that we've got a need and we can't fix it. So this is dragging out. And, and instead of trying to do it on our own, lean on Christ for strength and look for the miracle even in that interruption. And I'd love to hear emails from you about how even in the coming two weeks, Christ will take this point and challenge us with it. Let it sink in our hearts and minds and start watching for interruptions in your day. And when you get these interruptions where you're faced with great need, instead of panicking, ask God, 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 do the miraculous here. And, and I'd love to hear these stories. I wonder what God could do in your life. I'm going to watch for those interruptions. I'm going to start writing them down in my journal. I have a little journal every morning. I write it. And I'm going to look for life's interruptions. And uh, I challenge you to do the same. We've got one more point. We're done. Um, it, so, so they finished the feeding of the 5,000. And that Mark chapter 6 is, is just an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture. We've already covered so much. And, and as if that wasn't enough, then we get into... Jesus walking on the water. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side. So he dismisses the crowd. After he took leave from them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea. He was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. And uh, the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified but immediately he spoke to them and said take heart it is i do not be afraid he got in the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened we're talking about calling we talked about how calling starts right here in your hometown that your calling is the same whether people respond with belief or not that your calling is better executed when you have strong accountability and fellowship. Your calling will never be fully understood by everyone else around you. Your calling will greatly be magnified by life's interruptions. And now, the final point, your calling is always more about your relationship with God than it is about your impact on other people. Yes, I said that, I'm going to say it again. Your calling is always more about your relationship with God than it is about your impact on other people. It's always vertical before it's horizontal. Hear me. Hear me. Listen, it was awesome that the 5,000 were fed. It was awesome. But we immediately go back to this core group of disciples that are learning what it means to be called by God in every way. And so they leave the feeding of 5,000. He sends them off in a boat and a storm comes at them. And, and, and the truth of it is that their hearts were still not believing. They needed to be uh, unhardened, dehardened. And I'll tell you what, uh, that is a word for me. I want to be soft in spirit. I want to have a broken heart. And uh, I want to understand what Christ is doing. And I want to be so rooted in who he is and what he's doing in my life that my calling makes perfect sense. Not because it's bearing fruit that I think is successful, but because I am resting in the knowledge and the security that no matter what storm hits my life, I am safe and secure because I'm a child of the King. And so, what is your calling, my friend? Are you living it out? Are you welcoming interruptions? Are you seeing in those interruptions part of your calling? And are you in the place where you're understanding that your calling is about your relationship with Jesus? 
And if you've gotten away from that, maybe you're living your calling, maybe you, you're strongly in walking in your calling, whatever it is. Maybe it's as a teacher or as an artist or as a doctor or as a, I don't know, as a wife or as a husband or as a pastor or as a writer, whatever it is. But, 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 but have you forgotten that your calling is primarily and always first about Jesus? And when you're in that place where it's all about him, where Jesus is at the center of it all, just everything else falls into place. And so uh, I'm going to end with just a challenge for you. Remember, we're going to watch for interruptions. And I want you to just trace back, you know, this concept of have you become so focused on the horizontal that you've forgotten the vertical? And um, what can you do this week to, to make it back Make it back about Jesus. What can you do? What needs to be changed in your life so that Jesus is at the center of it all? And I don't know what the answer is for you, but maybe it's just getting up early in the morning. Maybe a little earlier than you normally would. Maybe you need to get up an hour earlier. Maybe your time with him has been uh, just affected by the busyness of life. Um, Maybe you need to just take a day off. Maybe you've neglected the Sabbath. Um... I don't know. How can you make your calling more vertical? I'm just, I don't want to think for you, but I just want you to challenge you to, to think of a way where you can make it more about him and less about you and the things that you want. And so I'm going to think of some things in my life. Uh, for me, I, I want to spend a little bit more time praying. And um, I don't know. i got to pray through, through this. So I am going to leave you with this and um, Do what I always do at the end of every podcast. Ask you to email me, lena at livingwithpower.org. Pray for me if you think of it. A lot going on. My book Resolved is coming out soon. I think uh, by the time, let me see here. uh, I don't have my calendar in front of me, but but I think this will be played a couple weeks from when I'm recording it. So uh, we're going to be just a little bit closer to the release of the book. And uh, I pray that that book will challenge you and help you and be used as a tool in your life. But also I ask for you to pray that God will use it and get the word out about the book. And I thank you for all that you're doing to support me in the ministry and support me in the work that God has called me to do. Uh, You are a good friend to me for sticking out with this podcast. And I will see you again in two weeks. We'll be doing two chapters next time, Mark 7 and 8. So get the worksheet, fill in the blanks, do the homework, be in the Word, preach the Word, in season, out of season, do the work that God has called you to do, and know that you are loved by God Almighty and that He is always for you. Don't you ever forget that. All right? I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.